Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right on top of Caleb Rowe. Now the stage is a bit shifted over to the right this year. Change range. The 2-1 is a fly ball to deep center field. Way back. Way gone. What a shot by Bailey Hemphill over the 220 side and right at the straightaway center field camera for Mima ESPN. We're tied up at two here in the bottom of the first. And that is about where the stage was last year. So if it hadn't moved, right, that hits the top. Didn't think we'd get a Scooby-Doo reference in today, but hey, why not? That's just, that was my show. That was a good day. I know. I was uh, Scrappy-Doo for Halloween one year. Oh, I need to hear about that. (laughs) (laughs) But kids today, they don't understand what Halloween costumes were back in the day. You had to go. If you didn't sweat buckets and have problems breathing, you weren't wearing a good costume. the 1-0 to Alyssa. She lays it down beautifully. Oh, my goodness. And the throw is high. The throw is high. Brown falls down. The ball is way out around the corner. Claire Jenkins comes around the score. Alyssa Brown rounding third. Heading home. It's an inside the park home run on a bun. I did that once literally. Here comes the 1-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Strike three. And that will do it. Alabama advances to their 14th Super Regional round. They continue to be the only team in the nation that has advanced to every Super Regional round there has ever been. Welcome into the first episode of Out of the Box, a new softball podcast that will talk about everything nationally, SEC, and of course, Alabama, because the two of us here in this studio, that is the team that we cover throughout the year. I'm Gray Robertson, joined by my partner in the booth and now my partner in the studio, Tom Canterbury. Tom, I'm glad that we're finally doing this. Yeah, it's uh, something we've uh, kind of thought about for a long time and glad to be able to... uh finally get it going and i'm just happy to be talking about softball we're only a couple of weeks away from the season getting going and uh it's gonna be a lot of fun this year i'm really looking forward to it yeah we've got a 
fantastic plan for this show going forward. Alabama's got a great schedule that we get to go on uh, as the radio duo uh, trip to Hawaii on spring break immediately comes to mind. Uh, but who are we? Who, who else are we playing? I don't even know. I know. <laughs> it we're doesn't going matter. To right. Yes. That week in March. That's all I care about. I've already bought five bathing suits in preparation. Uh, but we have been doing Alabama softball together for about a year and a half. This will be our second full season together in the booth. Yep. This is my third year. I joined a couple years ago, right around mid-April. But Tom, you've been following this team for uh, quite a while. Yeah, this will be my uh, fifth season as the uh, the play-by-play guy for uh, Alabama softball on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And uh, so, four seasons uh, previously, I've seen every pitch thrown, and uh, there's been a lot of a lot of great times, a lot of great uh, performances, and uh, high expectations that have been met more times than not. Uh, and hopefully, we'll get another. Uh, trip to okc before it's over before it's all said and done yeah i wouldn't mind that yeah, i mean hawaii yeah, is fun, fun but sure oklahoma city i'll take that any day Th- that, that is the ultimate goal unfortunately alabama has been a game away two years ago and two uh, two games away last year after going three straight years before then so uh i know that's that is the ultimate goal and that's what uh what we'll be shooting for so we are the host of this podcast, Out of the Box. This is the first episode. What is the plan going forward? Well, this is kind of the preseason edition. We're going to talk about Alabama. We're going to talk about the SEC. We're going to talk about some things on a national level. But uh, once we really get into conference play, I think we're gunning for around March 7th. I don't know if we're going to be able to do a show from Hawaii as much as as much fun as that would be. But we're going to gun for around March 7th to do this pretty regularly and and have a chance to interact with people and and share what we've thought of the season up to that point and then going forward in conference play i'm excited it should be yeah. a lot of fun yeah well, yeah it's, speaking of you know uh, having conversations interacting with with other people i i'm really looking forward to once the season gets going a couple of the segments that we have planned <laughs> as far as far as that goes uh as we may take a look at a certain uh, social media message board or things of that <laughs> nature and respond to some of those that's coming up and uh we're gonna have guests throughout the year and um and just kind of kind of fill everybody in fill in the gaps there if you're uh, not able to follow softball as closely as you want to or or even if you do uh just give our opinion on it yeah absolutely and we've got some great guests coming up tonight in this first episode of out of the box head man of the university of alabama softball team patrick murphy Entering his 21st year with the Crimson Tide, he will be on the show, as well as Emily Pitek, who is a big softball fan, and she knows a lot about the sport. She's best friends with Kat Osterman, which, I mean, is, that's softball royalty, uh-huh. so she she's, knows what she's talking about. She's a pretty good pitcher, that yeah. Kat Osterman. So. <laughs> I think she was okay. She was right up there with, <laughs> right. what's that, Monica Abbott girl? Yeah. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. This will be a fun softball podcast here on out of the box so we're going to be going around the base paths the first segment at the plate you, you can follow along as we go forward but we're going to start at the plate talking about the team that we'll be covering and that's the alabama crimson tide this is a unique year because a, a lot of times in the past uh, there have been some question marks but there have also been you know some major things that we know coming in in particular right. over the last couple of years Alexis Osorio and uh, and Demi Turner coming back last year this year you know we know a lot about the batters but the pitching staff losing Alexis Osorio that's going to be something that Patrick Murphy is going to have to handle fairly it's going to be complicated and he's going to have to find a way to handle it with care but Losing Alexis Osorio, that's tough. She was one of the all-time greats here in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, Alexis Osorio, top three pitcher probably all-time in Alabama softball history and uh, set all sorts of records. She was the number one for Alabama 
uh, pretty much all four years that she was here. Um, and you're right that there's going to be a, a big uh, adjustment to not having her available uh, in the circle. But at the same time, you look at what Alabama has as far as the pitching depth this year, five pitchers on the pitching staff. I think once you get past not having Alexis Osorio mm-hmm. there, you might even be able to say you have a talent upgrade overall because of the depth yeah. that you have. But yeah, that's definitely an issue. And then the same thing with Demi Turner, um, you know, not entirely her fault because she was just cursed with injuries her entire uh, her entire uh, uh, campaign with Alabama all four years. She had something, but you know, as a freshman, third team All American, you know, you she never was able to reach her full potential because of the yeah. injuries. Uh, but now you have Skylar Wallace stepping in up the middle for her. Uh, between losing Demi Turner and Sydney Booker up the middle, I think that's going to be most. I think that's going to be even a little bit more important than Lexi's loss because of the pitching depth you have. Uh, how are you going to replace up the middle for Alabama? Yeah, how is that middle of a defense going to look? And you know, Demi Turner's gone, Alexis Osorio's gone. Before we move on, I just want to reread the stat that. I said probably about 3,000 times in regional play. <laughs> uh-huh. Alexis Osorio's regional career stats. Mm. 51 and a third innings pitched. 7-0. and 15 hits allowed. That's in 51 innings. 15 hits. Pretty good, people. Two runs, one earned, actually came last season against Wisconsin. 13 walks and 71 strikeouts. Whew. And, she was good. <laughs> yeah, she was okay. And unfortunately, Alabama does not have that on the roster. But they've got some good talent that we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah. Also gone, Peyton Grantham, Sydney Booker, like you mentioned. Rachel No-No Bobo, uh, Kerrigan Fain, and Gabby Calloway, who I believe is in the transfer portal. I don't know. Mm. I don't know if she's emerged from the yeah. portal as of yet. <laughs> but she is in the vortex of the portal as we speak. Um, and I think she is only the second transfer to leave the Alabama program mm. in program history. Uh, uh, Mary Cranick was the first, uh, but that's just something you're going to see more and more of as, as kind of the, the nature of collegiate sports uh, moves forward with this transfer portal uh, being available. And uh, Alabama has taken advantage of it the other way. They're doing it on this team right here and they've done it in the past as well, uh, getting those transfers in. So uh not 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 a new situation for Patrick Murphy, but um, Gabby Calloway, another one who showed flashes in her uh, two years at Alabama, but uh, was really you really were looking for consistency from her, which she was never quite able to get. She also had some some injury issues as well, so uh, we'll see how much that affects this team. And we do wish Gabby Calloway well wherever right. she does go, Where, and, uh, wherever the portal spits her out. Yeah. At, I hope she does well. Oh, the transfer portal. We're going to talk about that (laughs) later on in the show. But people that are back, good senior class this year, Maris Schroeder, Courtney Gettens, Caroline Hardy, Reagan Dykes, Mm -hmm. solid crew there. The juniors are, though, uh, what I have my eye on, Bailey Hemphill, Alyssa Brown, and Claire Jenkins, who we have talked ad nauseum about on the softball broadcasts for this team. I feel like she is oh so close, oh so close to being maybe All-American level if she can just get the bat a little bit more consistent. I mean, she right. she started off well last year, dipped to around 200, a little below. But if she could get it to maybe 270 with her defense, I mean, that is a big asset for Patrick Murphy. Yeah, the defense is, is definitely going to be there for Claire Jenkins. And despite the, the struggles at the plate she had last year, by the end of the year, she was the starting third baseman for Alabama. Uh, so, um, yeah, if you can if you can rely on her to hit somewhere between 280 you know 300 would be great but you know just something where she can fit in there in that seven eight 
seven, eight area, yeah. um, even nine, depending on how you want to set up your lineup. Um, she, you know, you just, you just want it not to be a void somewhere in the lineup. And if, if she can be a consistent hitter, the defense is there already, and it can really help Alabama be able to turn that lineup over. And then the other big junior, well, two others, but we're going to talk about the first one. That's Alyssa Brown. Uh, <laughs> electric in center field is Alyssa Brown, but also really kind of came into her own last year at the top of the order. Got past the issues with stepping out of the box, mm-hmm. which, uh, of course, is the titular name <laughs> of this podcast. But she was just such a threat as the season went on. And as we always say, once she gets on base, she's basically already standing at second. Yeah, it's as good as a double whenever she's on first, and uh, still waiting for our shirts. People. Almost, almost as good as a triple, depending on <laughs> on how things go. But yeah, she's uh, she was she she struggled early in the season last year, as a lot of uh, slappers did, with the uh, new emphasis on the uh, the foot having to stay uh, inside the the batting box when you're when you're slapping at the ball. So, uh, but once she got past that, like you said, she did really really well for Alabama. If she is the if if she is the leadoff person. And if, if she has an on-base percentage, uh, you know, over 400, mm-hmm. uh, this Alabama offense is really going to make a lot, of, a lot of waves this year. Yeah, and Alyssa Brown, like we said, just oh so dangerous, great defensively as well, made the best catch of the year mm-hmm. last year, arguably in college softball, definitely for Alabama against Ole Miss in the first game of that series. When, when you're making a catch, and I, and I stand by the statement, I don't think Haley McClinney makes that catch. If you're if you if there is a catch that can be made that I don't think Haley McClinney would have made, uh, it, that's a heck of a catch. If there are Alabama fans listening and you disagree, uh-huh. at T Canterbury RTR <laughs> on Twitter, you can at me. <laughs> but I, I and there's nothing against Haley; she's great. <laughs> she she would catch everything. That's true. But this I mean, just if you don't remember the the catch was made, she was almost made it to the dirt behind shortstop from. She was pretty deep to start off. I couldn't believe it. And we have the recordings from last year. I've gone back and listened to it a thousand times. And that was in the third inning. So I was doing play by play. And my call was essentially, oh, and it could. Oh, my goodness, Alyssa Brown. Where did she come from? And that's kind of how you feel every time Alyssa's out in center. Yeah. So, you know, she's going to have center field uh, patrolled in in good fashion. You're not going to have to worry about a whole lot there in center. So uh, I think defense is going to be a strong point of this team. Assuming you can, you you're able to uh, make that transition up the middle in the infield. Yeah, and it needs to be because Alabama defensively was lower in fielding percentage in the SEC, certainly in SEC play. Yeah. last year, than, surprisingly, because that's yeah. not that's not that's not a normal situation. Yeah, definitely not, and I'm sure that'll be something Patrick Murphy focuses on this year. And then, of course, you got the big power hitters, Junior Bailey Hemphill, and maybe most importantly, sophomore Kaylee Tao, both named to the 2019 preseason All SEC team. These are two players, Tom, and I know you agree with me, that have the potential to go for 20-plus. Absolutely. They've got that ability. The question is, will they be able to do it, and can Kaylee Tao avoid what so many fall under the sophomore slump? I'm hoping that she got some of the sophomore slump out toward the end of the yeah. of her, of her freshman year. She, you know, All-American, had a great season, but had some struggles, uh, had some lulls there a couple of weeks within the conference. So, yeah, if you... If you can get consistency from Kaylee Tao with Bailey Hemphill, who just, you know, if she had not been hurt for a week in the conference, she probably would have led the conference in a couple of those statistics there, uh, but had a had a great season. If you can, you know, 
Tau, Hemphill, 2-3, 3-4, three, three, however you put them in the lineup, uh, they are going to be uh, a force. So should we create a challenge of some you, you saw maybe my John Petty challenge uh-huh. for Alabama basketball. I run a mile I ran a mile. I haven't done right. it yet because I had work done on my foot, so I can't run. But uh you run I ran a mile for every three pointer John Petty made against Tennessee. So what should we do for every home run in the first inning from Bailey Hemphill? <laughs> I'm not, not running. I'm not, not running. So <laughs> whatever you want to do is fine. If 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 you see me running, uh run too because somebody's chasing me. <laughs> So. Well, if uh, if any of you out there have any suggestions <laughs> for what we should do that doesn't involve running, right. when Bailey Hemphill, it's a first inning home run, which was every game it felt like after she came back from injury, please let us know. Tweet one of us. Maybe we'll, an extra donut yeah. for each, each home run for me. We'll, we'll take a dozen. <laughs> right, yes. A dozen for each home run. And now let's get to the fresh faces. We've got some new people, a lot of transfers coming in, like you mentioned, Tom, but mm-hmm. the biggest name. And right. it's been circulating the program, the fans. I mean, you talk to anyone associated with this team and they're most excited about this player, and that's Montana Fouts, the freshman out of Kentucky. I had uh, I had dinner with Todd Blackledge, who covers college football for ESPN. Name drop. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry? Name drop. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. know people here right. at yeah. Out of the Box. Kind of, kind uh, of a big deal. And, uh, and he asked me about the softball team, and I said, well, you know, Alabama's got some good players coming back, yada, 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 but this girl... Yeah, And then I told him her senior year stats, three earned runs allowed pitching, 481 strikeouts, 24 walks. Oh, and by the way, batted 566 with 70 run, 71 rather runs batted in. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty okay. Good. Yeah, she, she's a good national uh, high school player of the year, and, and rightfully so. And I know she kept her and, and Kaylee Tao kind of had a rivalry going in Kentucky because uh, one would keep the other one from winning the uh, – the player of the year in the state every every year until <laughs> until last year. So uh, yeah, that's when you've talked to the the people in the know that talk about softball recruiting and what's coming up for Alabama. Montana Faust's name has been out there for several years. Yeah, you know, she committed as, as what happened a lot of times in, in softball. The commits come pretty early, and she committed early to Alabama, and she didn't waver on it. And uh, very excited to see her in. Uh, she has the capability, I think, to be the you know, the Friday Sunday starter for Alabama on this team this year. Um, in addition to what she'll be able to provide power wise in this lineup as well, and you know, I, I think you kind of the the hope is uh, she's kind of in the in the same vein as, as Jackie Trainer was for Alabama. Yeah, and now the question becomes: obviously, the season hasn't started yet, but we assume she's going to be the number one. How much does Patrick Murphy put on Montana Fouts? Early in the season, I mean, the Troy tournament, no offense to any of those teams, but none of them mm. made the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, the Arizona tournament, you've got some tough competition there. Of course, the game against Arizona is the biggest. But right. how much is Montana Fouts used early on to kind of see, you know, see if she can actually do it? I mean, there's a lot of hype. We know she's talented. We saw it in fall ball. But a lot of people are expecting her to be this year's Lexi, to be the Lexi of this year that grinds and starts the first and third game of every conference series. Yeah, and but she doesn't have to be that because again, as we talked about, the pitching depth on this team. There's going you have eight, uh, eight total. I mean, excuse me, five pitchers on this staff. Uh, you can you know you can mix and match. You don't have to grind out as much as Lex had to do. Right. You know, th- there was points where there were it was in Lex and one other person. So it was like if it wasn't her, that you know it was it was going to be a struggle, regardless. So um, I don't know how much early on, but I I'm thinking 
she'll be the Friday, Sunday by conference play. Right. But I think in the pre-conference, I think you're going to see Coach Murphy kind of mixing and matching, trying to, to see who who is going to slit into what slot uh, throughout the game. Yeah, and you know you talked about the deep pitching staff. Two new pitchers coming in, Crystal Goodman and Sarah Cornell. It was funny. We had a rain delay because, of course, we did during right. regionals last year, and we mm. were sitting watching – Hofstra against South Carolina. What was was that when people were complaining about it not raining during the rain delay? <laughs> that was one of the ten times maybe last year. <laughs> right. Happened a bit too much. Yes, yes. Uh, that darn lightning within the eight ten eight. mile radius. Right, was seven point eight miles away, Ugh. so we couldn't do anything. Gosh, yes. but Sarah Cornell was pitching for Hofstra. Pitched a great regional oh, that yeah. was in the Columbia Regional. Pitched a great game, a great elimination game against South Carolina. Gamecocks got a homer off of her in the bottom of the seventh, and you could see the emotion mm. that she had you know when she was striking people out and also after that home run that she gave up i'm excited personally as somebody that follows this team just see that i mean as much as we love lexi she was as stoic as a stop sign i'm excited to see sarah cornell come out and really just go after it i think it's going to be a nice change of pace for this team yeah Uh, and again that's not a that's not a knock against lexi i think that was one of her strengths she showed nothing right was, was that the you know she wasn't emotionally negatively you know, there, it was didn't matter if, if you if you took a picture of her, you didn't know how things were going in the game. But that's not going to be the case with Sarah Cornell. It, you're you will be able to just take a snapshot of her face and know if Alabama is winning or losing the game, uh, if, assuming she's going to take the same tack you know, in Tuscaloosa as she took at Hofstra when she was the conference player of the year. Uh, so it just a a that's a huge get I think for Alabama. I agree. I think Cornell's going to be. I don't know. if... If I had to if I had to just guess, I'm thinking she might be one of those like a closer spot, right? Uh, but she can pitch, she can start. Obviously, she can do what, whichever. But uh, I, I think she adds a definite uh, shot in the arm to this, this pitching staff. So Crystal Goodman, one of the transfer pitchers, as well as Sarah Cornell, who we just talked about, Taylor Clark in from Virginia Tech. Excited to see what she can do. We expect her, uh, if she's in the lineup, to play in the infield, maybe around third base or short. And then the freshmen, Skylar Wallace, Chloe Anderson, Kayla Davis, and Montana Fouts, who we've talked about. Clo- uh, excuse me, Kayla Davis in particular was mm-hmm. who jumped out at me in fall ball, hit a couple home runs, yeah. had some pop, looked really good at the plate. And and apparently as well had a really good uh, Japan trip as well for Great. for this team too. So yeah, I I think she could be a kind of a one of the more you know, she's not as highly touted as Skylar Wallace or Montana Fouts was, but you know can be a surprise and add some extra pop into this lineup. And so the schedule this year, it's fun. We've got the Hawaii trip. Not a, a ton of cuff, tough competition out there, but the big non-conference games at Arizona, Minnesota, Alabama gets twice at home, hmm. and then in the SEC. The road slate is brutal. Texas A&M, which that's going to be a tough atmosphere. I don't know how good A&M is going to be, and we're going to talk about that uh, when we advance to first. At South Carolina, at Florida, at LSU. Alabama is going to have to use the non-conference slate to really grow up fast and learn who they are because it's never easy in the SEC, but especially not with this slate. Yeah, I think you look at the first the pre-conference, there's not as many names, but I think you might have a similar situation as we have with the Alabama men's basketball team where the pre-conference schedule didn't have a lot of marquee names on it but when you look at it a lot of the teams that Alabama plays uh played in that pre-conference schedule are going to win their conference and be in in the NCAA tournament right hopefully I think you might be able to see some of that in the pre-conference schedule for Alabama softball uh you you mentioned the Arizona trip also out at Arizona Alabama is going to play uh Cal State Fullerton Fullerton always has a really good team uh and and just you know playing somebody 
kind of out of your area playing those teams out west that might have a little bit different style uh, could be interesting also uh louisiana monroe coming into alabama that's molly fickner the new head coach there former alabama all-american catcher and uh and she was a volunteer assistant my first year uh with alabama uh doing the play-by-play so it'll be great to see her coming in but yeah you mentioned arizona you know christen a new or uh, newly renovated ballpark fingers crossed they get yeah. that press that press box done please uh, <laughs> we would love some right. heat i don't know do we need yeah. heat or air conditioning uh, out well, of that t- this time of year i think uh since it's for the night games we should be fine we might need a little air conditioning for the for the day games okay arizona uh, if you're listening right. yeah make that happen yes please and uh, speaking of which minnesota is going to come in here and it's going to be 80 degrees and they're going to be complaining about it being too hot but uh <laughs> that, that'll be fun too uh, and then you know they they might the, the problem with them is that you don't really know what they're going to have. I know they lost one of their best hitters in, in the transfer portal, grabbed, grabbed yeah. one of them, too. Thanos came yeah. in and snapped his fingers. <laughs> right, so we lost some of those. So we'll see what the Gophers have. But, of course, everyone remembers when they were here for the regional a couple of years ago. Uh, but, yeah, you're right about the, the road series slate in the SEC, just brutal with <laughs> the South Carolina, Florida, and LSU trips especially. That means it makes it almost even more important that you play well against A&M and, and get the wins that you should get there. And then at home, Missouri, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Kentucky. And, I mean, no, there is no easy win in the SEC anymore. Uh, so it's going to be it's, – it's a tough conference schedule, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And it should be a fun season for the Alabama Crimson Tide. A lot of new faces, a lot of old faces. No Lexi, but can Montana Fouts be that new player? We'll find out in a couple of weeks. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, and really, when you look at it, too – Real quick, quickly, the the turnover is a lot more than what we're used to seeing because you have the uh, a pretty sizable senior class that left last year, um, and then you had a lot of uh, the freshmen coming in, the transfers coming and going as well. Um, it, it's it's a lot of trans a lot of turnover. So we're it, it, there's a lot of questions, but I think overall you have a a talent upgrade pretty much across the board for Alabama roster wise. Uh, but it, it's a uh, it's a youth movement. There, there's yeah. there's a lot of youth on this team. Maybe like I said the talent upgrade is there, uh, but will how how can they come together? Hopefully, things like the trip to Japan will help with that type of stuff. Yeah, and we're going to talk to Patrick Murphy about that in just a bit here on Out of the Box, the first episode of this podcast. Ray Robertson, Tom Canterbury here with you. We've put it in play, and we're going to advance to first in just a minute, and we're going to talk about the SEC on the other side. Advancing to first here on Out of the Box, the first episode of this podcast. Gray Robertson, Tom Canterbury, your loyal crew here in studio, ready to talk about the Southeastern Conference. We've talked about Alabama. We've broken down the team and what the season could potentially look like. Well, what about the rest of the league? Because, Tom, this league has been so good. Two straight seasons with everybody making the NCAA tournament. I mean, that doesn't happen in any sport. No, it doesn't, and I believe it's the only time it's happened in in in, in softball yeah. in NCAA history. So, uh, and I think it can happen again this year. Yeah, it wouldn't be shocking. And you've got a lot of contenders. We're going to first take a look at the SEC coaches preseason poll. A couple surprises on here, honestly. Well, except for number one, that's Florida getting mm. ten of the thirteen first place votes. Two Georgia, three Tennessee, 
four South Carolina, five Arkansas, LSU at six, Kentucky at seven, also getting a first place vote, Alabama at eight, Auburn nine, Mississippi State 10, A&M 11, Ole Miss 12, Missouri 13. A lot jumps out at me about this, Tom. In particular, I think Alabama's a bit too low. I'm saying that as unbiased as I can. I think LSU's a bit too high, and I'm honestly surprised Arkansas's at five. I thought they would be a bit higher. Yeah, uh, I, I think part of that. I think South Carolina is a little too high. Uh, you know, they're they're. I think they're a good team. They're going to be a, a regional host, possibly, but I I don't think they're going to be a top eight type seed in the NCAA tournament. I don't. I I just I don't think they're going to be fourth in the conference. Uh, I agree. I think LSU is a little little high. I think Alabama is a little low. Um, I think a lot of this is you know some of it is just uh, we looked at the, the final standings last year and put that in. Yeah, uh, because. Alabama's not the only team with question marks. There's a lot of turnover uh, all all up and down the board, so it's kind of kind of tough to find. Um, you know, just it's basically just who you have a gut feeling about the the new players coming in. Uh, Auburn actually might be a little bit too high at number nine, uh, and. A&M might be a little too high at number 11, yeah. which is you know, it's crazy to think. And we'll get to those teams in a second. We'll start with Florida, who has won the SEC regular season championship four straight times, going for the thumb. This is a team, though, that actually loses some big pieces. Gone is Alicia Acasio, the other starting pitcher and a pretty good batter herself. Kaylee Kavistad is gone. She was all SEC in 2017. Nicole DeWitt. All SEC 2017 first team. She's gone. Janelle Wheaton is gone. Kelly Barnhill's back. Mm-hmm. So right. we know what we're going to get from her. The question really becomes, and I guess this also kind of goes with us not really knowing a lot about recruiting because those rankings aren't as readily available as other sports. Right. But who's going to be the other pitcher behind Kelly Barnhill? Is it Natalie Lugo, who only pitched 32 innings last year? I'm not sure. I just know Kelly Barnhill can't do it herself. Right, and I think that's why the loss of Ocasio is a little bit more than what her statistics would show uh, because I think she was very important because you saw with Kelly Barnhill, if you got multiple chances at her, she was hittable. Mm-hmm. If Most importantly, if you had an umpiring crew that was calling illegal pitches, she was very <laughs> hittable. But if, if, if you had a second opportunity to see her, she became more and more hittable, so it was very important for them to have that number two person that Acasio was. And you know, I, I assume it's Florida. I assume they have somebody uh, that that's going to be that person. Uh, but again, they're untested. We'll see what happens. And also, the loss of Kavistad, I think, is a is a is is a detriment for them as well. She always seemed to get a big hit at, at mm-hmm. the big time, and all, and was able to get on base constantly with walks. Right. Had a great yes. eye, absolutely. Uh, but you know. They have. It's hard. You know, no one's going to be crying over what Florida has coming back. Obviously, with uh, Barnhill and and Amanda Lorenz, who I can't believe is not already gone. She seems like she's been there. She is the Hunter Renfro of Florida, <laughs> is basically at this point. I'm going to read her stats from last year. Just, Why do we have to just do that? because? Okay, right. four sixteen batting average, eleven homers. She also had nineteen doubles, which is pretty darn good. Sixty one. Runs batted in on base percentage five eight two seventy walks. Yeah, I mean she just gets on base, well, and that, that's why she was player of the year. And that's always been a hallmark of what Florida does is they get on base any way that they can. They used to to lead the world in hit by pitches. They were you know that they were always on base, and because of that, 
lot of RBI opportunities that, that people like Lorenz are take advantage of. Yeah, and then I think maybe the biggest addition this year out of the portal, I know we've got some pitchers coming in, some hitters, but to me, the one that struck the most was Kendall Lindemann transferring from Minnesota, coming into Florida. She was the 2018 Big Ten Player of the Year. Last year, batted 361, had 20 home runs and 55 runs batted in. We saw her in the regionals a couple of years ago. We know how talented she is, even though she didn't really do that great against Lexi. Hmm. I mean, well, no one did. Yeah, that's so, true. Right, yeah. We read that stat earlier mm. in the show. I just think she's going to be a big impact player and honestly somebody that they really need after losing so much experience right around three, four, five in the lineup. Yeah, and it seems to me as though just nationally, catcher, if you have a good catcher, that 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 is the difference between a good program and an elite program. Uh, the catching position is the toughest to fill. It's the toughest to stay consistent at because you take such a beating behind the plate in your in your defensive position. Uh, it's important to have depth there, and then you you get one who has been a conference player of the year in a Power Five conference coming in. Uh, the rich get richer there with Florida. Yeah, and then we move on to number two, Georgia. They got two first place votes. This is a team that loses. Argue you could argue their two best players from last year, Courtney right. Emanuel and Brittany Gray. But boy, oh boy, did they have a lot of bats coming back. Justice Mills, Alyssa DiCarlo, Allison Febri. Alyssa DiCarlo, 21 homers last year. Justice Mills, 15 last year. There's just so much power, and they're all juniors. Yeah. So they've got two more years. Yeah, they, when when you saw what they were able to do last year, uh, the fact that they had Brittany Gray uh, kind of you know come on as, as that ace that she was before she got injured, uh, I, I think had that injury to Brittany Gray not happened, uh, we might not be talking about Florida having the yeah. going for their fifth in a row. Uh, just a, a great season for them, uh, and, and one that had to happen. I, you know, they were they were down. They were the team in the first year of all thirteen making it that didn't make the SEC tournament, but then made the NCAA tournament. Um, so to go from where they were now to being uh, top of the conference, uh, great job there by Lou Harris Champer. She's done a, a you know she's been there. Forever, basically, <laughs> but uh, she she has really uh, really taken the program where it needed to go, and um, they're they're going to be a very tough out. Yeah, and my biggest question mark with them, we know they're going to score. The question is, can they stop people from scoring? Mary Wilson Avant, she's a junior. Mm-hmm. She stepped up admirably. Yeah, after Brittany Gray went down, but now. She's got to carry the team. She's got to be the ace. Maybe Kylie Bass is that number two pitcher. Maybe Mathis. Uh, there are some other names. Maybe a recruit is in. I'm not sure. But there's a lot of pressure on Mary Wilson Avan if they want to come in second in the SEC. I can see them winning a lot of games 10 to 7, that type of yeah. thing. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking. Right. Yeah, with that offense, they've got a lot of pop. Now, what about the Tennessee Volunteers? I mean, this is a team that is actually bringing a lot of people back. As I was researching, I didn't realize how many folks they've got coming back. The one big loss, though, Megan Gregg. I mean, she is unbelievable, holding countless records for Tennessee. She's one of the best to ever do it. And not having her at the top up there with Aubrey Leach, who is back, I've got to think that that's going to hurt Tennessee just a little bit, not having that senior leadership and that player that you can just 100% count on for a hit every time she's at the plate. Yeah, that's, that's going to be the uh, the question because pitching-wise, they're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be more than fine. Uh, but, yeah, it's, yeah, are they going to be able to replace those departing uh, players and Megan Gregg? one of, if not the best hitter in their program's history. Uh, what are they going to be able to do there? We know one thing, uh, that they have a, a new video producer. That is correct. A new video guy. So shout out to Hunter King, who's a former assistant video guy here at Alabama now up there 
in uh, in Knoxville, but uh, it's that they are they are a heck of a squad, and as I said, it's going to be very hard uh, to score runs on them. Yeah, absolutely, and it, like you said, a, a lot of good pitching. Aubrey Leach is back, first team All SEC last year, at a four forty one. I mean, my goodness, she yeah. uh, she is going to anchor the top of the order, and she's going to be a big threat. Now, South Carolina, they're fourth in the preseason standings. You mentioned them. It's a young team. They got a lot of people coming back. They have all three pitchers back in the circle. That would be Dixie Rayleigh. That would be Kayla Drotar. That would be Kelsey O. All very various ages. I think it's kind of similar to what we said last year about Alabama with Alexis Osorio. South Carolina can be as good as those three pitchers are because they've got right. talent, but can they take that next step and be elite for South Carolina? And, and we talk about we talked about it with what they had to do against Hofstra. The reason why that was an elimination game is because they lost their first game of that regional, right? And they they had to had to fight out of the losers bracket from day one. Uh, a couple of elimination games to be able to win that regional, and make it a super regional play last year. Uh, does does that experience help or hurt you? Sometimes you know going through an experience like that. Well, we know we're we're okay. We can do it. And you, you know, Florida and Oklahoma have done the same thing. So you know, you can lose that first game and, and come out of it, and it doesn't phase you. Hopefully, if you're if you're South Carolina, that that helps you. But at the same time, it shows you might have a little bit of vulnerability there. Yeah, and they've got some bats back. Mackenzie Bozel is preseason All SEC. Kenzie McGuire is back. But but again, it's also just such a young team mm-hmm. that. This is a squad that, you know, you mentioned you think they might be ranked a bit too high. I could see them as high as second. I could also see them as low as seventh or eighth. I mean, it it all depends on how quickly they mature this year and how that pitching staff comes together. I got a couple of things in the uh, heading home segment five that we have landmine, goldmine that uh, I'm going to hold off on. Okay. Yeah. Oh, goodness, Tom. Yeah, I know. I love the surprises. How about the team that (laughs) was a surprise last year, or at least one of the surprises Uh, in this league? And that was Arkansas. This is a team. I don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about Arkansas (laughs) or or the trip to Fayetteville? Either one, (laughs) most importantly, but yes. Nothing better than walking under an overpass, 20 mile per hour winds, 30 degrees, anyway, probably wind chill 15. The thing is, this was in late April, early May. (laughs) I I, I expect it to be cold if it's February. But my gosh, that was cold. And then, and then you lose your first ever series. Not, not our favorite. No. Also, a long trip back. I think we had a delayed flight on the way out. Yeah, we did. Oh man, yeah. It was it was not great. But (laughs) one (laughs) who is great, not good, Gray. (laughs) Not great, Bob. No. no. One who is great though is Mary Half, the sophomore. She's preseason All SEC, and I I think she's just such a stud. And I think Arkansas is a legitimate shot to make the women's college world series simply because of her. Autumn Storms is really good, but Mary Half. I mean, watching her in person last year, she is the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, she really is, and then and what. She is part of what the, the the program that Courtney Diefel has been able to build in Fayetteville. Uh, that you know that Arkansas was number thirteen. It was them and Ole Miss were fighting as to be who's who's <laughs> not last in the conference for so long. And uh, just the, the turnaround there that they have had in Fayetteville. A lot of it having to do with half uh, who had such a great freshman year, and then we see a couple of the transfers coming in. Uh, I don't remember Arkansas ever having transfers before. It was not a destination place for softball at all, and it has become that. And I, I agree. I think they are a, a definite uh, contender here for the conference. Yeah, I mean, despite the cold weather, Bogle Park was beautiful. It was yeah, really well done. It's a great facility yeah. overall. And, and just you know, they had a you know crazy cold snap that happened sometimes <laughs> there. That was the same week that up in Missouri they had to cancel a game because of snow. 
Against, yes, against that's right. Auburn. Yeah. But we were still there. But we when we played, even though it was actually technically colder in Fayetteville than it was in <laughs> Como where they where it was snowing. Yeah, and one of those transfers to watch, Danielle Gibson, transfer from Arizona State, led the Sun Devils in homers last year. Twelve. She had thirty nine ribbies, batted three forty three. She's gonna be important for the Razorbacks if they want to make a move in the SEC this year. Next up, LSU. They're ranked sixth in the preseason coaches poll. Tom, I'm going to be honest. This was the biggest surprise. I don't get it. They're losing their two best pitchers, Carly Hoover and Allie Wall Jasper. Uh, Wall Jasper won 170 ERA last year. Hoover just above that at 1-6, but they were both just so dynamic in the circle. LSU loses them both, and yet they're still in the upper half of this league. I don't quite get it. I don't think they have the bats. Some of that is, I think, reputation. Uh, and rightfully so. It's I mean they've they've been there and done that at LSU, and uh, they are. Uh, I think there's a little bit of reputation to be involved there, and they're not going to be an easy out by any stretch. No, uh, they're they're going to be a regional and probably a super regional team still. Uh, but I agree. I think they're a little bit highly ranked at number six. Yeah, Aliyah Andrews, one of the best leadoff hitters in the SEC and in the country. Also look out for Amanda Sanchez, the Missouri transfer. She's a senior coming in for one last year in Baton Rouge, which uh, that'll be an interesting team. It'll be an interesting series when we go down there right before the SEC yeah, tournament. That's, that's where Alabama is going to finish off the regular season. I'm so excited. It's going to, yeah, never not had a good time in Baton Rouge. Uh, yeah, other than seeing uh, Demi Turner uh, dislocate her elbow. That wasn't fun. That was not great. <laughs> that, was not, that was not fun. Another not great, Bob. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky, seventh in the rankings, but gets a first place vote. And we were talking about I'm this. wondering who that was. I, that's a good question. I don't know. I would assume that. You can't vote for yourself. I don't know. Well, three coaches so. didn't vote for Florida. One of them is Coach Walton. I don't know who the other two would be. Right. I don't know. Maybe I, if I had to guess, I'd say Walton. You think? Kentucky won. Interesting. Well, it's an interesting squad. They've got yeah. everybody back. They're always they're always so the they're hard to figure out. Right. <laughs> they're, always, they're always hard uh, to figure out. Uh, it's even when they have everybody back, they're they're hard to put their finger on. They've got Grace Ballman in the circle. Uh, she was okay last year. Look, a lot of people are talking about Kentucky and saying that oh they've got experience in the circle. Oh, their good hitters have gained more experience. And yeah, that's true. But None of their pitchers were putting out otherworldly numbers. A lot of them right. were very gettable last year. Yeah, uh, we saw that when we played in in Lexington. You know that there, there were a uh, for the, when you look at that game and look at that series before it happens, you were thinking it was going to be more of a pitcher's duel type series, and the ball was flying out of the ballpark. Yeah, and I think if Kentucky is going to potentially threatened to win the league like some coach has said it's going to be abby cheek it's going to be katie reed it's going to be bailey vick reed elected to the preseason all sec team i I just i'm not sold on them honestly i have to see them but and they and they come to tuscaloosa this year so that'll be a that'll be a a big series i think in the conference absolutely that's one of those turning point Mm -hmm. series uh, later on in the year for Alabama and Kentucky. We'll skip the Crimson Tide. We already talked about them back when we were at the plate. What about the Auburn Tigers? Mm. A team, uh, this is not a good preseason ranking for them. Ninth on the list, losing Kaylee Carlson, and now all the pressure's on Michaela Martin, who pitched a good bit last year, more than I thought she did. But, yeah. I mean, is she ready for that mantle of being the Auburn ace? She's going to have to be. Yeah. As I say, that, that's, that's what they got. And th- that was kind of the surprise, I think, for them last year was that you had the coaching change and, you know, you were talking about there was going to be a change in the philosophy 
uh, of especially pitching wise uh, that they were going to pitch to more contact. They were not going to try to strike everybody out. Uh, and I just don't think it, it really translated the way that they wanted it to. Yeah, it it, uh, it took a little bit for them to adjust. Uh, they also lose Victoria Draper, who was so good at the top of the order. Right. I'm just I'm again. I'm not quite sure where the offense is going to come from. Casey McCracken is back. She's a senior, but a lot of people with you know high twos in the batting average. Not anybody that kind of blows your socks off. And again, it's all going to be on Michaela Martin or maybe my favorite name in the SEC, Chardonnay Harris. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm I'm going Autumn Storms is my favorite. Name Autumn Storms, conference. solid yeah. choice. Yeah, little, she's fun as well. I like the weather. Yeah, <laughs> the weather <laughs> all, theme there. It all, it all comes together. <laughs> it's all a circle there at Arkansas. But yeah, I, I, I agree. I think there's it's they're going to be having to rely on some people that they that have not been marquee players for them as of yet. And you know that that's the case in a lot of places. Is you know when somebody goes from being that uh, freshman who played a little bit or the sophomore who was kind of a platoon player. Now it's all you. Let's see what happens. It'll be interesting. Auburn also has a decently tough schedule, so not a and not great. We don't play them this year in the regular season. But we probably will yeah. in the SEC tournament. Always do. Or in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Who knows how that's going to work. Uh, tenth is Mississippi State. We won't talk a ton about these last four teams as we're, uh, we're here talking and breaking down the SEC. Mississippi State, as I was researching this team, I didn't realize how much they had coming back. Bevier Robinson, back. Kat Moore, senior, back. Mia Davidson, she's a sophomore, SEC freshman of the year. Congratulations to her, although it probably should have gone to Kaylee Tao. And they've got a pitcher in from Arizona State, Alyssa Loza, coming in. Didn't get a lot of experience out in Tempe, but we assume she's got some talent if uh, yeah. she was brought into Starkville. I mean, could this be a team that maybe kind of pulls a Georgia last year and surprises some people? Uh, I can see them surprising. I don't think they'll be make that big of a leap as Georgia was able to do last year. But uh, yeah, they're that they're one of those under the radar teams that, you know, you, you kind of, you have a series with them and I think, all right, this is a possibility for a sweep. And then all of a sudden you're, you're fighting to, to win the series because, because they, they still won from you. That they're kind of going to be one of those spoiler type teams that, they might have a factor in who wins the conference based on getting a, a surprise win somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm also interested to see what else they do in the circle. Uh, losing Holly Ward, losing Cassidy Knutson, that's going to be tough. 11th is A&M. Speaking of losing, my is, goodness. Is uh, Tori Vidalis gone? Yes, she is. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Tori Vidalis is no longer an Aggie, <laughs> and uh, so are a lot of people. Wow. Oh, so, I don't know. Goodness gracious. So are a lot of people. Erica Russell graduated samantha shaw who we saw a lot transferred to oklahoma state tori vidalis gone trinity harrington graduated ashley walters graduated caitlin alderink left the program lexi smith graduated and keely milligan and sarah hudek transferring to louisiana lafayette which by the way we also need to make a point to mention louisiana lafayette as we're recording this today uh, our prayers of course go out to the glasgow family at louisiana lafayette mm-hmm. uh, the daughter of head coach jerry glasgow and also the volunteer assistant on the team jerry ann she passed away in a vehicle accident so obviously tragic, yeah. every program uh, us uh, everybody in the softball community uh we're praying for the glasgow's yeah she uh, played at georgia and at oregon and then as you mentioned the the assistant coach uh volunteer assistant for her, her father there and that's just a just a, a terrible thing mm-hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's always tough and uh, we hope that the uh, glasgow family can uh, stay strong and get through it, and we send our best wishes to them. And as I mentioned, they're getting this year two really solid players from Texas A&M, in particular Sarah Hudek. Yeah. Batted 363 last year. I mean, the cupboard is bare 
yeah. in College Station. I don't know what else to say. A&M has now the, the Taj Mahal of facilities, so I don't think that's going to be a long-term situation for A&M. But, yeah, this year it's, it's, it, there's a lot of turnover and uh, you know, not, not knowing some of the freshmen. Maybe that maybe they have some great freshmen coming in and some other transfers. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be, it's gonna be an ish, a tough situation for them in College Station, and that is a road series for Alabama that uh, the way things are looking – it may be one that Alabama needs to win on the road. Yeah, and uh, that's an early road series, so right. we'll see how A&M looks. Only pitcher coming back of note is Pate McBride, pitched just 33 and a third innings last year. 12th in the standings, Ole Miss. This is a team that has no Caitlin Lee for the yeah. first time in 25 years. I was going to say, is Caitlin Lee gone? Yes. Okay, good, all right. <laughs> she is gone, no longer running in the nightmares of Alabama batters. They've got some folks back. Kylan Becker actually getting voted on to the preseason All-SEC team. Uh, they've got Brittany Finney back. But, I mean, this is a team that lost Elantra Cox. They lost Paige McKinney. They lost Caitlin Lee. They're going to have to replace a lot of people, and that's really tough for uh, what they're trying to build out in Oxford. Yeah, and they're, and they're, they're a program that really you know came out of nowhere and, and became a, a, uh, a conference a contender and a, a, a super regional type team. Uh, it'll be tough for them to sustain that there with all the losses this year. Yeah, so we'll be watching the Rebels and seeing if they can get things on track out in Oxford. And then finally, Missouri coming in 13th out of 13 in the preseason coaches poll. Another program that saw kind of a mass exodus. We mentioned Amanda Sanchez transferring to LSU. Lauren Rice transferring to Ohio State. She was more or less the ace for this mm-hmm. team last year. Riley Pierce batted 318. She transferred to Arizona State. I don't really know how good Missouri is going to be. They, they've got a similar problem to A&M. I do know that they've got one pitcher coming back. That's Maddie Norman through 131 innings pitch last year. And all of a sudden it's all on her. I mean, she's, right. she's got to be it. Missouri dealing with coaching changes again. And, and right. again, this year with the, the transfer portal being available, uh, when, you, when you have a coaching change, you're going to lose some players in all likelihood. And uh, they're also, I know, bringing some in from, from Hofstra. Uh, in that in that area, so there's going to be some new faces, and uh, some of that could be good for them because uh, people don't have a book on them. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, that that the fact that you have the home series for Alabama with Missouri with Mississippi State, that those two, it's almost this you have to get a sweep there if you right. if you're wanting to not be in that eight nine area where they are. Or do I mean, do you want to buy? In the SEC tournament, yeah. If you want to buy, you probably get, need to sweep Missouri and Mississippi State at home, right? And then maybe get the sweep of A and M on the road. Yes, and if at, that happens, at least two of three. If that happens, you're in you're in fine pretty shape. good shape. Yeah. yeah, you're in fine shape as long as you don't get swept by the Florida and Georgias. Yes, as long as you get at least one, if not winning those series. But the bottom line is, we go over all these teams. The SEC, it's it's unpredictable again this right. year. You never know what's going to happen, especially this season. And everybody's good, even the even the ones you know we're talking about. You know the A and M's and the Missouris that have they're gonna have a lot of question marks. Yeah, but I mean, I they're could gonna leg- win games. I could legitimately see Mississippi State as a team that could like like we talked about. You know, steal some series from people. Right, and they've got a lot of talent. Yep, they've got a lot of talent, and uh, it'll be fun to watch how the SEC breaks down this year in softball we're at first but oh we've got the signal we're stealing second and are we're we, are we green light girls we, we are gr- green light girls <laughs> that's our second shirt that we need we need the Alyssa brown shirt and then tom and i need a green light girls shirt let's do that we've got the sign we're stealing second and we're going to slide in 
with Patrick Murphy coming up on the other side. Patrick Murphy, the head coach of the University of Alabama softball team. He will be on Out of the Box when we come back. Welcome back to Out of the Box. We are stealing second here as we continue on with the show. Gray Robertson and Tom Canterbury here with you as we will be throughout the softball season. And we have our first interview of the year, and it is none other than the head coach of the University of Alabama softball program. We're going to be seeing him a lot over the next couple months, so we hope he's not sick of us by hopefully June. But we're excited to have him on here. Patrick Murphy on the line on Out of the Box. Coach, how are you? How excited are you for softball season to begin? Well, I can't believe, you know, we went to Japan in late July, you know, early August, and it seems forever ago. And uh, obviously we played eight games in the fall, but... I think everybody's really ready to get going, and um, we're kind of tired of scrimmaging each other, so we can't wait to see somebody different and a different pitcher and different hitters in the box. Well, I'm glad you bring up the Japan trip because it was such a monumentous event for your team and your program this summer, getting to go across the other side of the pond, getting over there, experiencing a different kind of culture. Uh, What was that trip like for your program, and how do you feel like it helped the team bond? Because I know you had some of the new players over this summer. Yeah, that that was, to tell you the truth, that was the biggest thing about it was, you know, the NCAA changed its rules about international trips, uh, and you could take your new kids with you, your, your freshmen. So when we went to the Netherlands four years ago, that wasn't the case. And uh, like Alexis Osorio was an incoming freshman, so she didn't get to come with us. But this time, um, we did get to take, uh, our travel party was 33 people, versus 21 in the Netherlands. So it was a, a great trip for a lot of people. We got to take our academic advisor. We got to take our um, media relations director, Nathan Sheehan. Uh, our team doctor went with his wife. Um, our video guy, Hunter, Hunter King, got to go. Um, but just to be able to get all those new people together, we got to practice, uh, I think it was seven days, and we actually did three a days. We would um, practice in the morning, lift at noon, and then come back later in the afternoon or even at night because it was really hot in July and practice again. And, you know, we didn't have, you know, the, 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 the normal help in terms of all our great managers. So we had a um, sheet that everybody had a job to do uh, before each practice, and um, the girls did great with that. They had to, you know, do the field, water the field, get all the equipment out, everything. And then one of the, the, the coolest parts was our interpreter came to our initial, it was a Monday night at my house, and we had uh, Japanese, of course. And she got to, uh, she came all the way up from Tampa uh, just for the dinner and introduced herself. And she stayed, you know, obviously the three hours of, of the dinner and gave us some do's and don'ts and went over some language things that we should know and, it was very valuable, and she turned out to be just a incredible um, help during our trip over there because we couldn't have done it without her. And then, you know, the icing on the cake was basically getting to play four games of softball. The, the sightseeing and the culture and the people and 
we took a bullet train from Tokyo to Hiroshima and I'm a history major from the University of Northern Iowa and you know when Mr. Byrne said yes that we could do this we started raising the money and we had a lot of people chip in and um, it was about a $150,000 trip but when when we knew that we were going to Japan I was I was like okay we're I'm finding a way to Hiroshima, and I had no idea how far away it was from Tokyo. Uh, too expensive to really fly, too long to drive. It was about a nine-and-a-half-hour drive. So we got bullet train tickets for everybody, and we did a uh, kind of an overnight bag. Everybody got a backpack or a small, um, you know, basically a, a, a gym bag. Uh, left our big suitcases at our hotel and just kept one room that night and put everybody's suitcase in this one room and um, went down to Hiroshima on the bullet train and just it was an incredible experience. Our tour guide there was just a great, great lady and um, learned a lot about World War II and uh, it was just a, a cool experience for everybody. And what the experience where... Uh, like you said, the softball is really kind of a bonus on it, more of a just a, a life experience. And then, uh, as we said, kind of a, a bonding experience for uh, your entire team. And you kind of see a correlation sometimes with teams the years are able to take those type of trips that they, they seem to gel a lot better. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, when we started practicing again, you know, after Labor Day, a lot of the, the new kids were like, okay, this is kind of what he expects. Where we were, they got to um, experience Michelle Dilt, our strength coach. You know, they kind of knew what the workouts were going to be like, and you know, it was kind of a lot smoother beginning of the season than normal, just because we had that that extra week, and then um, we played four games. We played a doubleheader against New Zealand and then a doubleheader against Great Britain. So, just those experiences alone really helped us out as we started uh, Team 23 in the fall. And, I mean, I said it, you know, four years ago, and I'll say it this time, you know, it was, I'll definitely do it again. It's just an experience that, you know, to have, you know, basically the team has their best friends on a trip across the world um, and get to see the world. And, you know, when we, when we do these things, we're not sitting at the hotel uh, every day was jam-packed with something different. We saw uh, Buddhas. We, you know, we ate all the sushi that we could find. Um, Nathan Sheehan, uh, guy I think, fell in love with the ramen, and hey, he had plenty of that over the, you know, the ten days, eleven days. And then another huge bonus was, you know, my uh, the mistake that I made four years ago with the Netherlands. Um, we piggyback with the world championship. So that's how we got to play New Zealand and Great Britain because they were already there to play in the world championships. And in Amsterdam, we left before the game started. So I knew this time that we were going to stay for, for the first day of games. And as luck would have it, the U S I think played at, I want to say 1230 in New Zealand played at 630 the first day. So not only did we, get to see Halen McClenney, our former, you know, four-time All-American at Alabama, who she also hit a home run uh, against Mexico, which was, you know, 
really cool because <laughs> she's hit two home runs in international play, and I've been there for both of them. Nice. And then um, Courtney played Chinese Taipei that night, so we got to see that game. Uh, so another big bonus was getting to see both of those young ladies play for their respective countries. And uh, kind of moving into uh, your team, this team number 23, you had a, a pretty sizable senior class. A few of them got to uh, send off last hurrah there in, in Japan with you. Uh, but then you have a couple transfers coming in. You have one uh, a really highly touted uh, freshman class coming in, headed up by uh, uh, Montana Fouts and Skylar Wallace. Just to tell us about you know some of the uh, the changes and the transitions on your team this year. Well, we, like you said, we lost six seniors, which was one of our biggest classes ever. And we had shoot close to 200 starts um, at second, short, and third from three of those seniors. So that was obviously our, you know, my biggest concern was those three positions uh, come this year. But um, we have four freshmen, and Montana obviously is probably the most widely known uh, USA Today National Player of the Year in high school, uh, Max Preps National Player of the Year. Just, you know, I know you guys have met her, but you guys are just going to find her um, the nicest kid, just polite, um, respectful, and no ego, which, you know, she could have an ego the size of Alabama, but everybody loves playing behind her. Um you know, they appreciate the way she works. She's, she's already probably the hardest working pitcher that we've ever had, you know, and it's only after a semester. And so many people comment or uh, complimented her on that work ethic, and it's going to take her a long way. It reminds me a lot of Haley McClinney, who came in very highly recruited, very highly decorated, but didn't, didn't rest on it. And, you know, a lot of kids get away with just pure talent alone in high school and summer ball. But when they get to college, you know, all of a sudden it's like, shoot, I got to, I got to work. I got to do something extra. Right. And Montana has done that since day one. So, and then you mentioned Skylar Wallace, um, again, one of the really highly recruited uh, athlete from Georgia, shortstop, second base, throws right, hits left. Um, is definitely going to be a green light girl for us. She's very, very fast. Chloe Anderson is another green light girl. Uh, our first kid from North Carolina outfielder and then Kayla Davis, a local product from Hueytown, Alabama, I think has some of the, the, the biggest potential among anybody still really raw, uh, but has great power. Um, and you can just see her, um, athleticism. She could be something really, really special for us. And then we added, um, basically three transfers, uh, two division one and a Juco, uh, Crystal Goodman from Chipola junior college. Um, was from Long Beach, Mississippi, and uh, Chipola did a great job with her as a pitcher. She was the JUCO National Pitcher of the Year last year. Took her team to second place at um, the JUCO World Series. Another awesome young lady, just one of the nicest kids we've ever had. And then um, two Division One transfers in Sarah Cornell, a pitcher from Hofstra, and she won either 23 or 24 games last year for them. Was first team all Northeast Region. Just a, 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 another good kid, and she's a, she's a, both of those two pitchers um, can get it up around seventy. So we were really really fortunate to get both of them. And then Taylor Clark, uh, uh, Virginia Tech 
changed coaches uh, this summer, and um, and as did Hofstra's. And we knew Taylor from a couple of clinics that she had attended, you know, in high school, and um, she was looking for a place to, you know, land after a coaching change. And so she's um, second, short, third, and could be a really big pickup for as a utility infielder for us. Stealing second here with Patrick Murphy on Out of the Box, first episode of this podcast. Coach, we talked earlier in the show about Kaylee Tao. What a great freshman year she had in All-American. She's preseason All-SEC once again. And I assume that that puts kind of a, a new kind of pressure on a player. You know, she we knew she would be good last year, but I think she exceeded everybody's expectations quite a lot, especially early on in conference play. How much does that change her mindset, if at all, going into her second year with Alabama? I think, you know, it's almost like um, I, uh, an underclassman winning the Heisman. And then, like, okay, all these expectations come up. And, you know, like the preseason All-SEC, well, every year is different. Just like no matter how many kids you have coming back or how many kids you lose, every team is different. So last year was over. You're right. She had a great year. But she's got to do it all over again and prove to everybody that, you know, she's an All-American again. And I think she's got the talent to do that. I think she's better this year. I think she's in better shape. Um, she's still got tremendous power. I think she could hit 10 to shoot. She could go 20 home runs for us. Um, she could be playing a little first base for us this year. Um, and I, and I tell them all the time that, you know, our lineup is like a big puzzle and wherever the, the best nine hitters can fit, that's where they're going to fit. And I, I often tell them the story of Jackie McLean, who came in as a, all-American high school shortstop and never played shortstop for us because she, she didn't win the position. She played outfield her first year, and she'd never play outfield in her life, was a second-team All-American. And then her uh, second, third, and fourth year, she moved to first base because that's where she fit, and she was a four-time All-American, three-time at first base, and had never played first base. But that's where the team needed her to play, and, and we've told that to everybody, including Kaylee, is, you know, if if there's two outfielders and she's one of them and the other one also is one of the best nine hitters and Kaylee could play first, but the other kid, you know, can only play outfield, Kaylee's going to play first and the other kid plays outfield. So it, it gives us a lot of options, though. And, um, you know, I think Bailey Hemphill coming along at the end of the year just had a shoot her last month was awesome. And I think with her, with her bat and Kaylee's bat, they're going to help protect each other. And um, we need somebody like a Claire Jenkins, who you know, you guys saw a little bit this fall, but she's been our most consistent hitter since Japan, and she's a totally different kid. I think you're going to see a great, great uh, year out of her defensively, offensively. Everything has been just you know, complete turnaround. So if Kaylee has a little. Um, protection from Bailey and then a little protection from Claire, then you can really kind of play with the lineup a lot. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, sorry, Coach, I was just going to put in that you mentioned Claire Jenkins, and Tom and I have talked ad nauseum on the broadcast about, you know, the potential of her. She's got one of the better-looking swings on the team. We saw flashes at the beginning of last year, especially in Hattiesburg. Defensively, we know what Claire Highlight can do, but we personally feel, and I'm sure you feel the same way, that if she can get that batting average up just a bit, I mean, she could have a really special season and be a huge cog for this team this year. 
Oh, definitely. And, you know, it's, and I, like yesterday in the scrimmage, I said, you know, one of the downfalls of our team the last two years is we've had too many kids go over a weekend. So one, the first game kind of got them in a little slump. They stayed in it and then they kind of just hit rock bottom the third game. Well, if you're leading off and you go three for four and the next four go over the weekend, you're either sitting at first or second base all weekend long. You don't score any runs. So mm-hmm. really pleased in the scrimmage that only only we only had one 0 for 3. We had a couple 0 for 2s, but those 0 for 2s also walked, and they turned the lineup over. So just a consistent on-base um, average is what we want out of everybody, not just the top four hitters, but one through nine. And um, I think Claire, if she can do just a little bit of what she's been doing, she could have a really good year. Talking with Alabama head coach Patrick Murphy here on Out of the Box. And, uh, Coach, moving to the uh, the pitching side of things for just a minute, uh, you have something this year that I don't know if you've ever had in, in your time in Tuscaloosa, a five-person pitching rotation. Uh, it, it really leads you to a lot of options, not just uh, in, in game, but also as far as the season goes uh, on what the pitching pan, plan can be. Yeah, you know, the year we won the national championship, we had four. And Amanda Locke was five and one as kind of like the four. Yeah. But she also, she won the SEC tournament championship game and um, beat Florida in that game. So, but the key with her was, you know, May 13th or 12th or whatever day that was, she was fresh. So even though she was four and one at the time, she was good to go. And, you know, if you were, if, if I were to ask Alexis Osorio at the end of the year, how many times she was, she felt fresh there wouldn't be very many. So that's what we're trying to get to as well is, you know, there's five arms, one lefty, four righties, five totally different kids. You know, I'm going to be like a, a major league baseball manager trying to figure out, you know, if, if they can't hit a X pitch, then that's who we're going to pitch that day. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if there's a couple lefties, uh, two or three in a row, we could bring our lefty in, you know, and, and go matchups. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun because, you know, with, with three kids that have hit 70 and then Courtney Gettins has arguably one of the best change-ups and then Madison is more spin and down. She's completely different from everybody else. So, you know, and we even, the, the thing I'm worried about the most is, you know, most softball pitchers throughout their whole career, they've gone seven innings. Mm-hmm. They've pitched, you know, basically every game and they pitch a complete game. Well, I had uh, I invited Lance Cormier to come talk to the team, who is one of my all-time favorite baseball players at Alabama. Was a four-year pitcher, um, played for I think five major league teams, including the Braves. But at the end of his career, he was a kind of a middle relief guy, and I wanted him to come in and kind of explain the value of uh, of a guy that just comes in and the manager says, "Lance, I want you to get these two guys," and that's it. Just give me these two outs. So he did a heck of a good job because, you know, as a freshman, he obviously started his entire career in high school and probably threw all seven innings of high school ball. But then when he got to Alabama, one of the very first weekends, uh, they needed a save. And Coach Jim Wells yelled and said, Cormier, go get loose. And, you know, he was jacked up and adrenaline flowing, and he got the save. Well, then all of a sudden, 
guess who was the closer? Lance Cormier. <laughs> and then his sophomore year, he got to pitch some midweek games. And then his junior year, he was the Friday night guy for his last two years. So he's had every role. And then he, he did a good job of explaining it to our team because everybody was in there when he talked about, you know, knowing your role and if it's lefty versus lefty and there's only one lefty in the lineup and that's the kid you got to get out, then after you get her out, you celebrate, you know, you did your job. So, you know, it's, 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 it's up to the pitchers really to have that staff mindset and, and a lot of Mudita needs to come into play and, you know, having vicarious joy in someone else's success. And hopefully you'll see that a lot. And we're very excited to see those pitchers in just a couple weeks in Troy. I can't wait for the season to start. And then, you know, we know how good the SEC is. Conference play is just a month away, about the month and a half. And the SEC, of course, getting all 13 teams in the last two seasons, uh, never been done before in softball. And we know this league is going to be good once again. I mean, the strength overall, I know that it's a challenge for you once conference play begins every single weekend because there are no off days in this league. You're right. And I was just on um, uh, Crimson Tide Sports Marketing. Uh, They have a weekly radio show called Hey Coach. And uh, Chris Stewart asked me the same question about, you know, playing in the SEC. And it's, it's so difficult just to win you know, the regular season or the tournament doesn't matter, you know, because that the tournament is the, t- the best 12 team tournament in the country, you know, by far you're at the end of the year, but to win a regular season title is four is 24 games, eight weekends, you know, best two out of three, uh, or three game series. And everybody now has, you know, it used to be where maybe six had the talent and now, and then it went to eight and then it went to 10, but now it's legitimately, you know, 13. And, you know, like last year, Arkansas hosts regionals for the first time ever. That was big for their program. You know, South Carolina um, advanced to super regionals at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was huge for their program. They got to host. They hadn't hosted in a long time. So it's just, it's just really good for our league. And it was kind of like a that's softball and the SEC was like a perfect storm together where you had, um, obviously, big-time football, you had the weather, you had administrators who were very competitive and wanted to be good at every sport, and then you had all these athletes, and then you add in the SEC network, and then it's really something big-time. So we, you know, we can't wait to um, get started in our regular season, but the, the conference play is so exciting, and it's, you know, if, if you're not competitive, this is not the league for you. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you guys know you've been through it already, so it's as good as it gets. Yeah, Coach, we're very excited to see what comes up this season. A great schedule. Now, I do have to ask, is there any one potential road trip that you might be a little bit more excited for than the others, maybe, possibly, like us? <laughs> well, I mean, probably uh, either Hawaii or Arizona. <laughs> but, um, good choice. Non-conference. Non-conference. Um, you know, we've had so much respect for Arizona, Mike Kendrea, you know, his program for years and years and years. Cause I always, I'd always tell the, the media at the college world series, I want to be like Mike. And it was always Mike Kendrea. Um, they're, they just, I think they spent close to eight to $10 million on, um, renovating their stadium 
and that is when we go there. It was that'll be their opening weekend of play for the the new stadium. So that's going to be cool. We've been out there several times, and I really appreciate him because um, he does a home and away with me. So we're going out there in um, three weeks or two weeks, whatever it is, and then he's coming back to us in 20. So I, I can't say enough good things about him. And then, obviously, uh, what a lucky, lucky situation we got into with Hawaii. Uh, Coach Coolin emailed us and said, here's our dates, and Bryn Dordell, uh, my assistant coach, said one of these is our spring break and that's our bye week of SEC play. And I said, you're kidding. And I actually asked Nurse Schroeder, who's a senior from Houston, and that was we were kind of – we hadn't gone, like, to Houston for her, for her home trip, which we try to do if we can. And I said, Maris, do you want, me, do you want to go to Houston and play? And she said, well, what's the other option? And I said, well – University of Hawaii. And she kind of looked at me. She said, come on, Murph. And I said, oh, really? And she said, well, you know the answer. Well, so, all, all our family can come to College Station when we go there. It's fine. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Exactly. Yeah, twice. <laughs> twice. Hopefully twice. So um, we're going to Hawaii. And it's, I think, the second time that we've gone there. I, I think we went in 2005. And Steph was a sophomore pitcher for us. Stephanie Van Brakel, a pro wow. Um, but a great opportunity for us. There's, we're not going to miss any school. And, you know, one of the ironic cool parts of it is we were in Hiroshima where we kind of learned about the end of world war two. And now we get to go to Honolulu and we're going to Pearl Harbor to kind of learn about the beginning. So what a, a kind of a cool twist for us and our, the history nerds on the team. Well, I will add that uh, if you think you saw people eating a lot of food in Japan, just wait until Hawaii when Tom and I are there to put our you know hands in the pot and eat as much Hawaiian food as possible. Probably not Hawaiian oh, pizza, not. but we'll see. Yeah, well, I'll be right there with you. <laughs> Patrick Murphy here with us on Out of the Box. Coach, thank you. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you, and I cannot wait for this season to start. Well, thanks for having me on. It's, it's an honor. Absolutely, Coach. Thank you. We've stolen second with Patrick Murphy, the head coach of the University of Alabama, and now we are rounding third with Emily Pitek. That coming up on the other side of the premiere episode of Out of the Box. out of the box we are rounding third with our dear friend emily p tech for p tech's point of view on the world of softball she knows the sport inside and out she's got friends in high places in the softball world p tech how are you are you excited are you, are you pumped that it's about to start you know i just did a little dance move that it's softball season you know how, you, how game of thrones says winter's coming well softball is coming <laughs> so i'm pretty i'm pretty jazzed about it yeah, we're uh, we're about a couple weeks away from everything getting going across the country, especially in the SEC. And we talked about it earlier in the show, P Tech. But the SEC this year is just so loaded once again. Florida looks good. Uh, Georgia looks good. Tennessee looks good. Arkansas all of a sudden is a potential powerhouse. And then you've got Alabama, who's missing Lexi, but has certainly a lot of pieces that make them a viable contender. Absolutely, it's going to be, and it's kind of I can't really 
put my finger on it about what it's going to be like this year because there's, there were a lot of good seniors last year that graduated. Um, and then, like what you said, like Arkansas is supposed to be on the come up. Um, they've been doing great over there. Um, Kentucky is obviously last couple of years has been um, going full steam ahead. So you have non-traditional powers starting to be powers in the SEC as well as over the country. And um, everybody says the SEC schedule is a grind. And I think this year is going to be the same story, um, almost even probably a little more intense because it's, it's really anybody's guess out there. But I'm excited to see how it unfolds. And um, everybody knows that every, every week conference weekend matters. And um, it's really in this conference you kind of position yourself for postseason. So you just got to survive in advance and, and make it to the postseason and, and see how it goes from there. Yeah, you mentioned that with the the postseason, two straight years, the SEC has had all 13 teams make the NCAA tournament. And I know that's something you, you're seeing kind of across the board in in other sports in addition to softball. I know you have um, tie-ins with that in addition to being a, a former soccer player here at Alabama. But uh, you're just seeing it everywhere in the conference just uh, because of uh, renewed uh you know, facility upgrades and, and just the, everything that's going into that, uh, the entire conference is just really, really good. It's a, it's kind of an arms race, isn't it? So, um, and when we got the new, when we updated Rhodes, um, we were kind of the first school to do it. And now if you think about it, Rhodes is kind of one of the most outdated facilities and though we love it and it's an incredible environment for everybody to come to. It, it's Rig- um, it's Wrigley Field at this point because, I mean, once yeah, yeah. now that Florida has finished their renovations, Texas A&M building the Taj Mahal they have out there, <laughs> Alabama is the road stadium is the oldest non-renovated stadium in the entire conference, and it's amazing to think. It really is, and, and you know, there's talk that um, some upgrades are on the horizon given we're going to host a 2020 SEC tournament, and you know everybody's going to pack that out. So, But with the SEC network and the facilities and football doing well, honestly, it's, a, it's in, in the climate people can play in. The SEC is such a great attraction for a softball player because you're in February. My husband played baseball in um, New York, so he spent the first three months of his season coming down south or practicing in the gym. In the south, in the southeastern conference, you don't have to do that. You're outside. Yeah, it might be cold, but it's cold for about a month, and then and then you're hitting the road, but or hitting it full seat ahead. But man, what's that to love about the SEC and softball down here? Unfortunately, we are in that month right now where it is cold. Uh, today was a rough day walking around campus here at Alabama. Uh, but as you mentioned, the SEC, so many great buildings, so many great stadiums, so many great campuses around here. I'm curious. I know you've probably been around this conference a time or two. What would maybe be, I guess, the most memorable road trip you've been on to watch softball or watch anything around the SEC? Oh, okay. Um, my favorite, well... Watching or playing soccer? Because they're two different things. All of the above. Okay. So my first soccer game, SEC soccer game, I went to Florida um, as a freshman. I started as a freshman. There were about 3,500 people. And I'm coming from Buffalo, New York. Had no idea what the Florida Gators were, right? Right. And then 3,500 people are doing the chomp. And I'm like, what is this? Why are there so many people here for soccer? (laughs) But then softball has just magnified. The numbers are insane. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I know we have a rivalry with them, but LSU is one of my favorite places to go visit and watch a game at. Um, I think it was in 2013, went down there, um, or maybe 2012, one of those years. But 
we went down there and there were probably 500 people tailgating. And if you've ever experienced the LSU football game, they tailgate the same way they do for uh, a softball game. And it was incredible. And obviously the rivalry is pretty, uh, pretty lit down there, but I've, I've never not, I've never not had a good time in Baton Rouge. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then, um, you know, Tennessee is always a great one to go to. That facility is wonderful. Ralph and Karen weekly are amazing. Um, they kind of love hate relationship with me, um, which is great. I just, I just love Ralph, but, and then probably Georgia is another one that that's pretty great. And we always have a pretty rivalry with them as well. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to get out to Texas A&M one, one of these years, but, and, and see the new uh, Florida facility, but every place is different and every place is, um, wonderful in their own regards. And I can, I'm sorry, PJ, I just have to interject. I I can attest as can Tom Athens is a great place to go visit for softball, but if you stay longer than a weekend, you might not make it out alive. (laughs) 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 Fun place. Uh, yeah, the sec is, a. It's great. I'm excited personally to go out to College Station and see Davis Diamond, see that new stadium, because Tom had the worst experience of his life at the old place out at Texas A&M. But now the new stadium looks unbelievable. I mean, watching it on TV last year, it was stunning. Well, you talk about the difference between conferences, the old place they used to live at. That's that's Big 12 stuff, and a lot of their stuff needs upgrading as well in Oklahoma in Texas and are trying to like lead the charge in that, but there's, there's different fields for the stadium. And I think now Texas A&M is coming into the, Hey, we're going all in with softball because people are eating it up with a spoon type of type of mindset. Um, but that place is like a minor league park for softball. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just going to be excited and not be outside under a speaker uh, <laughs> during the games. That's where I broadcasted <laughs> yeah. from the last time we yeah. went. And I, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the, the Taj Mahal, as I said, of what Texas A&M has been able to build. We're talking with that'll be, some, that'll be something. We're talking with Emily P. Tech. The uh, you probably know her as the Alabama super fan. She's the one in the sombrero uh, that's leading all the cheers at Alabama softball. Former uh, uh, soccer player as well here at Alabama with our uh, good friend Don Saley as the head coach. And um, just uh, again, the the last thing about uh, the kind of following softball as i mentioned that you played soccer what was it that kind of drew you to softball uh moving forward after you left alabama uh full disclosure i hated i hated softball before i came to college hated it wow thought it was wow. boring i know a lot of people don't know that but i thought it was boring i thought it was like the people who played it weren't athletes but man my mindset has changed um one of the uh, apparently so saying, yes <laughs> yeah yeah a little bit one of the springs I was playing soccer, I actually um, got injured and couldn't travel with my team on an away like um, weekend, and I had nothing to do. And if you've ever been around, you know the soccer stadium and facility is right across the street from Rhodes. So I went over there, and there were these boys. They're called the Bentry Boys, um, and they they used to live next to Stephanie Van Breakel, Breakel Prothrow, and Dominique Asaturo, and Stacy Ramsey live in apartments next to them, and. They were crazy. Like Rufio is their baby. That's not my baby. It's theirs. And um, it's just in my personality to cheer and like be all about other people and celebrate them. And these guys were just hilarious. And the best thing about it is was Murph was inviting um, that type of atmosphere and that engagement of the fans. And it hooked me, you know, it, it brought me in and it's something, and I think 
softball is inherently amazing in the fact that you're so close to the action. And Rhodes is set up that you're so close to the action. That's why I sit right behind the dugout because I literally can hear everything Murph is telling his players, the umpires. Um, I can hear, I can get on to the other team at third base and, and the pitchers usually most often, but you're so close to the action. And if you ever have an attention deficit span, like the problem, you need to go to a softball game because there's always something going on and you'll be engaged for the two, two and a half hours you're there and you will have a blast. And that's what I'm about. I'm about having fun and, and, uh, celebrating other female athletes and Alabama softball did that for me. And uh, we're excited to get to see that atmosphere in just a couple of, well, about four weeks, two weeks until the season starts. But Rhodes, I'm sure, will be packed as we're talking to Emily Tech. It's been a long, cold offseason, unfortunately, here in softball, and one that was really changed by the mysterious transfer portal and the transfer rules. I, I know you've got a lot of opinions about this sport, <laughs> but the transfer rule has has been hit or miss for a lot of programs and we're especially seeing the miss at Oregon. I mean, they've lost all three of their top pitchers. A lot of programs are losing really good players because of this transfer rule, because they're essentially free agents and they can just go. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about everything involving the portal. It's obviously a big topic, but I mean, my goodness, it's kind of dominating the headlines in softball right now. It is. And and you're totally right. It's, um, I think Oregon and Ole Miss might have had the most action as far as um, specific institutions. And it's kind of like going to the supermarket, looking at the produce aisle and deciding if you're a college coach, deciding what you want. You can look in the, tra- if you're a college coach, you can look in the transfer portal after a kid has decided to go in there and be like, okay, what do we got on deck today? Who, who can I look at? Who can I call? Who fits my need? And then that coach gets on, makes some phone calls and, and basically has their pick of the litter. Um, I think it's a, it's interesting because um, if a player goes into the portal, they have until the end of semester, I think to be on immediately, they have to cut off um, access to like weight rooms and all that kind of stuff. And then, but they're, they're on in the institution financially, if they had a scholarship or anything to the end of semester. So if you're the player, you have to be certain that one, it's, it's what you want to do. And two, you're pretty confident that someone might pick you up because it's, it's kind of a gamble for a player because you never know if, and especially if this starts becoming the thing, how many people are going to go in the portal? Um, how many people are going to be like, hey, you know, this, this fit here at this institution wasn't so great for me. Maybe I'll just look for greener pastures. Well, if this keeps going, are there going to be a hundred kids in the portal? Are there going to be a, uh, uh, spots for a hundred kids at some other place. So it's really interesting. And yes, it's it's infancy stages, but I'm interested to see it as we go down the road, how it affects it and legislation in the NCAA is constantly changing. So it'll be interesting to see how um, student athletes benefit from this as well as institutions. And I think it's going to be the art of figuring out needs and figuring out fits of kids when coaches are looking at them in the portal to see if they can actually improve their program. Um, Cause it's, it, I think it's a hard thing. It's, it's not very easy to bring someone into a program who might not fit your culture. So you have to do your homework as a coach before you bring somebody in. Um, and I think that's going to be pretty telling down the road. Well, two things yeah, I think you need to look at too, with the, with the, with the portal is one, I think ultimately this is going to hurt 
the mid-major and lower-major teams because you're, you know if you have a breakout player uh, and they're and they're a you'd say an underclassman or you know if somebody ha- a junior has a great junior year uh, go to the go to the transfer portal and you can get picked up by an Oklahoma or an Alabama or somebody uh, so you're, you're going to lose players that way and then also we're seeing like what we saw with what's going on with Oregon a lot of times the teams that have the mass exoduses are because of coaching changes yeah um at this point like or if, if you're an ad if you're making a coaching change are you going to have to bring in uh seniors or juniors or the captains or somebody to to have input into your coaching uh change uh decision yeah i think after what ha- happened at oregon um will make some people reassess how quick they are to pull the trigger or make sure um with the programs ad's are having a pulse on how the coach is doing, how the players are enjoying their experience, all that kind of stuff is really important. Um, so I think it's it's going to be a little more heightened awareness for everybody to make sure they're paying attention to the stuff, so that especially like you like you said, mid majors, they got you got a a rock star as a pitcher. You're going to throw that kid some love so they don't go looking somewhere else, you know. Um, and hopefully, people. I'm sure there are some cases, but hopefully people aren't just like, oh man, you should transfer. You're, you're, you're better than this place, blah, 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 blah. You got to know what a kid's motivations are and why they pick certain schools and if they're happy there or not. So I think each uh, scenario might be different, um, but it's going to be pretty interesting down the road. Yeah, for sure. We're rounding third here with Emily P-Tech on Out of the Box, the premiere episode. And uh, P-Tech, before we head home, I got to talk to you about your good buddy, Kat Osterman. I mean, what a story she's been making Team USA for the 2020 Olympics coming out of retirement. How proud are you of her? And I'm curious if she's told you what she did to get back into playing shape because it's been a couple of years for her and now she's about to face the best in the world in a couple of years. Absolutely. Uh, someone asked me the other day what, who my favorite athletes are, and I said Mia Hamm, Serena Williams, and Kat Osterman. And it's kind of weird that my best friend is my favorite athlete. Um, but she hasn't pitched in three years competitively. She hasn't played for Team USA in 10 years. Um, and it was not a decision of hers that was knee-jerk, a knee-jerk decision or um, something she just decided one day, something she's been feeling. And, um, it, she's kind of trained for the last year or so, um, getting ready for this. And she has one of the most intense work ethics I've ever seen. And her motivation is to make sure that USA softball wins gold. And Murphy talks about it all the time about Mudita and about glue girls and all this other kind of stuff. And she now in this, I guess her wisdom, infinite wisdom, um, because she is the oldest player on the team. She's decided, she's relayed to me that whatever she can do to help her team USA win gold, she's going to do it. Whatever role she has to do, she's going to do it. And you're talking about a gold medalist and a silver medalist and a three time national player of the year, um, in college. And for someone to be that selfless, just because she wants her country to get back on top, is amazing and she's an inspiration to me and she worked her tail off pitching running um nutrition weightlifting and i it got it got me like on my bike and started running again you know <laughs> if she can do it i can do it um and just try to be a better mom and a better person but um 
she's pretty incredible. And I think USA softball is going to be better for her being on the team. And she's told me like she gets fired up when she hears Haley McClenney talk about something and Haley's going to be one of her teammates now. Um, and it's just so great that something that the passion for the sport can transcend um, experience and age. And I think we're going to see that with her. Yeah. Kat Osterman, somebody certainly that everyone can look up to. I can't imagine not doing anything for three years and then hopping on and oh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to no. try out for the Olympics and you know, make the team. I can't, I can't yeah. imagine anyone doing that. I mean, you have the best of the best of this country and she, she just went out and performed it. I think on, she kind of, she was nervous about going back and, and just seeing how she would fit in. And I've never heard her be nervous about anything before. So I know it meant something to her. And then I think trout started on a Tuesday or something and she gradually got better and better and better on that Friday. She pitched four innings. She faced 17 batters. She struck out 15 and had one walk. So that'll do. <laughs> that's, that's remarkable. Oh my goodness. Rounding third here with Emily P tech on the first episode of out of the box P tech. Thank you. Hope we can definitely do this again at some point. Absolutely guys. Excited, uh, excited for the season and, and, um, Roll Tide. Well, we have rounded third, and now we're heading home. That coming up after the break, we're going to play Landmine or Goldmine, make some bold predictions for this season. That on the other side, here on Out of the Box. Hey, welcome back to the first episode of Out of the Box. So far, we have stood at the plate and talked about Alabama this year. We've advanced to first and broken down the SEC. We've stolen second with Patrick Murphy. We've rounded third with Emily Pitek and chatted with her about a variety of topics. And now it is time for us to head home, literally and figuratively, once we're done with this podcast. Heading home here, it's time for one of the many games that we will play. We're going to play a lot of games this year because I love games. Okay. I love games. All right. Uh, The first one is based off a little flub that I had last year where I confused the words landmine and goldmine. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not the same. They are not. They're two different things, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Uh, So we're going... Two very different things. Very, very different. Well, one could save your life and one could end it. So, you know, be careful which one you pick. (laughs) We're going to play a game called landmine or goldmine. Bold predictions for this season. What do we think? How many of them are going to be right? For me, probably not many. I don't know about you, Tom. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, but these are our bold predictions as we get ready to start the softball season. Tom, please go ahead. Oh, all right. Uh, my first bold prediction, someone other than Florida will win the SEC. Ooh. Do you have a name? Uh, I'm taking the field. Taking the field. <laughs> what, uh, what makes you think that? Is it? I think that Florida is not going to win it going away i think they will win it okay um but I, I, my biggest issue is what we talked about earlier who's going to be that second pitcher right. kelly barnhill can't throw every game yeah i think that has something to do with it and uh, also um i just think the rest of the conference is too good they're not going to be able to get the sweeps that they are used to getting uh, as and to build that lead up i think they're going to win a lot of series 2-1 that they normally would win 3-0 and I think that's going to allow somebody uh, to uh, to kind of catch up with them and, and maybe and pass them up. Mm, that's bold. So yes, we'll see if that's a landmine or a gold mine. If it blows up 
in Tom's face or wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> what's but, the uh, what's that old that old company that you could sell your gold for or whatever? <laughs> what's, you can do that with that prediction You're if right. it works out. All right, which it might. It Who might. knows? Here's my first landmine or gold mine prediction. Not all 13 SEC teams will make the NCAA tournament, Ooh. but at least three will make the Women's College World Series. Ah, yes, there you I go. think. That is because we're going to see a couple of traditional powers down this year. Yeah. Uh, the transfer rule is going to impact in a lot of ways. So I think we're going to see at least three SEC teams in Oklahoma City. I don't know who yet, but well, uh, we'll see. One thing I think is going to be vital in that to happen, which I, I hope it does. I hope there's a lot of SEC representation in, in Oklahoma City, including uh, someone here from Tuscaloosa. I yeah. hope that, that is there. I think that's a possibility for sure. Uh, but a lot of it's going to have to do with... And this happens a lot of time in the tournament matchups, right? And uh, not having regionals hosted by SEC teams facing off in super regional play. Yes, if that it, would be that tough to make yeah. for both of them to make. <laughs> it, it. It, that does hinder <laughs> the possibilities of that happening. So a lot of that has to, and it's, that's why it's so hard to make predictions early on. Uh, it's so hard to figure out. You know, one is something that we've talked about a lot in our in our uh, broadcasts as well. You know, what is going to be that. Uh, main focus of the uh, committee this year. Right. You know, are they going to really focus on, well, you didn't play enough non-conference road games or you, you, you struggled in your league, even though you had a good overall record and good RPI, what is going to be that one thing? Cause you never know what it's going to be. And it's impossible to, uh, to, uh, uh, plan for it because it's going to change next year. Yes, it will. It always does. That's how committees work. <laughs> right. As for the first part of that, not all 13 SEC teams making it. I think it's either going to be Missouri or A&M. They lost just too much. Yeah. It's, and the SEC is too good this year to get by, you know, getting swept and losing series one, two, and then expecting to ride your non-conference schedule because A&M and Missouri, they, they face some tough competition early in the year. Right. So right. we'll see. What's your second one, Tom? My second, I think it's going to be a gold mine. My bold prediction. Okay. Montana Fouts is going to be SEC Freshman of the Year. I almost put that as well. And that is, I'm not trying to be biased. We're going to do our best all year to keep it real. I, but I, I, I think I, it could really happen. I'm not going to say I don't wear crimson colored glasses, <laughs> but I mean, look at those numbers. Yeah. I mean, and it, does it always, does it always transfer over? No, but you know, having seen what she did in the fall, and just seeing what type of, and a lot of it has to do with demeanor and, you know, and, and attitude. And, and, and I think you see it with her. I think you see it with Skylar Wallace. A lot of people on this, in, in this freshman class for Alabama, uh, very competitive uh, in, in a very good way. And, that, and I'm not, I'm, I don't mean that negatively against the, uh, the players on the team now or the, the, the class that just graduated. I love all six of those girls. Yeah, there was it was a great class, great character, had a lot of uh, had a lot of talent, but it, there was just there was just that one, there was something that it's, it's hard to put a finger on. There's just something missing as far as the competitiveness, right? Uh, day in and day out, I think it's really if if this team loses a game, it's going to hurt them. They're they're going to you know and and so I I think a lot of that's going to have to do with why uh, Alabama finishes a lot higher than eighth in the SEC and why I think Montana Fouts is going to win uh, freshman of the year in the SEC. I, I really like that prediction. Now it is tough because as we talked about earlier here on out of the box, we don't really know what the freshmen are going to look like. It's right. hard to predict that we recruiting rankings aren't as easy to access with softball, but I think you could be onto something. Good. I think you All could right. sell that to eight, seven, seven cash now or whatever. <laughs> uh, that's not the right company. Uh, it's here, your money. 
and you need it now. Yes. All right. <laughs> Here's my second landminer gold mine. I don't know if it's that bold, but somebody besides Georgia or Tennessee who are ranked two and three, they will come in second place in the SEC. I think it's going to be Arkansas. Okay. I am. I know they've got a tough schedule. It, it's not easy in Fayetteville this year in the SEC, but maybe I'm putting too much belief in Mary Half. Maybe I think Autumn Storms is going to kind of take that next step. She's just a junior. I mean, she was right. young last year. They've got some good transfers coming in. Hannah McEwen is back at the plate. I don't know why. Just call it a gut feeling. I think Arkansas is going to come in second in the SEC this year. Wow. I, could, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities uh, by any stretch. I mean, you look at what they have coming in. You look at uh, the transfers that they have uh, really upgraded in, in some spots. And I, I, I like it, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And I would have picked them to win the league, but they do have to go to Florida. Right. If they got Florida in Fayetteville... Look out. All right, well, do, you, do you have a third one? What do you have? I can, I, I, yeah, I think I can get a third okay, one for you. Okay, go ahead. And this, is, it's kind of, this one is kind of hard to quantify, but this prediction is I think this is going to be, I think you're going to see it from TV ratings, um, just general focus on the sport. I think this is going to be the most exciting year of softball probably ever. Really? Or is yeah. that because of parody, because of so many big names going elsewhere? Yeah, I just think there's there's just I think yeah, I think it's there's so many question marks um and but there's so much talent. And and uh, we've seen that we've seen it in every sport. We talked with Pitek about it just the the renewed uh focus on facilities and things like that and then you're seeing players that are ready to play as soon as they get here. You know, we see it that, that's why it seems like every year there's a freshman quarterback in the national championship game for football. They are ready to play when they step on the field and the, when they step on campus in, in the college game. We're seeing it in softball as well. There's going to be so many good young players that don't know they shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. <laughs> and I just think overall uh, you're going to see some, as I, I agree with you, I think there's going to be some of the blue bloods that might be, have a little bit of a down year, which is going to, again, that's going to renew some excitement for other fan bases that aren't aren't normally thinking about Oklahoma City, well, maybe we can make it this year. Uh, I, I think overall, and then as we've talked about, the sport is so good on TV. It yes, is, it is the perfect TV sport. It, it you can play it in that two hour window most of the time. Uh, it's fast pace. It has all the elements of baseball, but it does it faster. So, so I mean, it's <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch, whether you have a a dog in the fight or not. Uh, so I I think overall. It, when we get to uh, to late May, early June, there's going to be a lot of people nationally talking about softball that normally wouldn't be doing. I completely agree with that, and I think we're going to see some new faces in Oklahoma City, some teams that haven't been there in a while. I, my third bold prediction, though, my third landmine or gold mine is about one that has been there a little bit too often, if we're being honest, and that's Oklahoma. I think they're going to be in the championship series. They've got G. Yeah, Juarez coming not, in from Arizona State. Not that bold of a prediction, yeah, but okay. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think it's almost a shoe in. I mean, Shay Knighton is somehow still there. <laughs> uh, they've got so many people. They brought in, as I said, G. Juarez. Yeah, they lose Paige Parker, but they've got other arms that right. they can put in the circle. Patty Gasso's a heck of a coach. I mean, sure. it, it just seems like this is Oklahoma. I don't know if they're going to win it, but I'm pretty darn sure they're going to be one of the final two. Well, they get the. Uh I hate to be an excuse maker as a reason, but <laughs> not an excuse, but you know, they, they get to play a home game for the, for the national championship. Uh, and they play in the big 12 where there's not a whole lot of other competition. Uh, so they're, you know, they're always going to put themselves in that, in that position. Uh, the question mark will be, 
what will Mike White coming into Texas? Yes. Will the Longhorns, that's one of the big question marks for me nationally, are the Longhorns going to be able to uh, give Oklahoma a run for the Big 12? And I would even add in Oklahoma State. I mean, they add Sam Shaw, they brought in a good bit of transfers, a lot of talent on that Oklahoma State roster. Now, I don't think they're going to challenge for the Big 12 title, but I think the Big 12 race is going to be really interesting. In fact, I almost wrote they will be in the championship series but won't win the Big 12 because I think that there are just so many potential pitfalls with those yeah. three teams. And and Baylor. Baylor was, and Baylor. Yeah, Baylor was the uh, kind of the, the team du jour last year. We saw them in, in uh, Hattiesburg as well, but uh, uh, you wonder – is there going to be a team that can kind of make that leap up to con- contend with Oklahoma in the Big 12? I think overall it's going to end up being Texas because we've seen what Mike White was able to do at Oregon. And uh, from some of the uh, the comments that he made on his way out of Eugene, he wasn't getting a lot of support mm-hmm. in Oregon. Uh, he's going to get that support in Texas. Um, you know, w- Will they make the uh, commitment to, uh, to do what they have to do to, to try to take Oklahoma down? Yeah, and one last note about Texas. Not only, I assume, is he getting – support from the athletic department but the transfers i mean you bring in oregon's top two pitchers Mm -hmm. uh it's i'm just amazed at all the people it was a mass exodus mary iacopo uh the catcher she's at texas i mean just he brought half the team it felt like and all the good players right and and that that oregon team was a heck of a squad that uh, knocked kentucky out two straight years and uh you know they're if they're able to bring that to texas you know hopefully they can Give Oklahoma a run. Yeah, Miranda Ellish, Megan Kleist, the two pitchers that are in Texas. And uh, I'm excited to see. All of a sudden, Texas OU is going to be fun again. Yeah. I'm excited about that. The Red River rivalry of softball. That should be a lot of fun. And with Mike White going into Texas, it's also going to make it tougher for other programs to go into the state of Texas to, to poach some players. Yes, like A&M. It's yeah. also in, they're just in Texas, but it's going to be tough to recruit head-to-head against right. Texas and Mike White. And then we've seen a lot of people in, in the SEC, in the Pac-12, you know, go get those Texas girls that weren't necessarily going to the university that may be going there now. So uh, that I, I think between uh, the transfer portal stuff that's happening, uh, everything else, I think the coaching change from Oregon to Texas might be the biggest story of the offseason. Yeah, and we'll see how it affects this upcoming softball year. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be great. I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to – uh, the season for what Alabama has to offer uh, for, uh, and then like I said, I think it's 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 going to be the most exciting season across the board that the NCAA has ever seen softball wise. I couldn't agree more, and we're going to be together at ninety eight percent of the Alabama games in the booth. I'm missing two, but we're going to be in Hawaii. We're going to be in Tucson. We're going to be in Troy opening weekend. You can hear all those games on ninety three point three FM in Tuscaloosa, or you can Google it. The internet has everything. Right. Just go to uh, go to RollTide.com on the schedule page, and they have live audio there. So just click on that. We're on 10 minutes before every first pitch and uh, all, all season long. Yes. So excited. That's it for us on Out of the Box. Tom, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, T Canterbury, R-T-R, C-A-N-T-E-R-B-U-R-Y. Yes. You're, you don't wear crimson colored glasses at all. With no, no it's, it's totally non-biased. Uh, I, I'm as uh, I'm as unbiased as a biased person can. <laughs> you can find me, Gray Robertson, on Twitter at Gray G R A Y underscore Robertson, and make sure you follow us on Twitter. Our account is at 
out of the box underscore pod. That's at out of the box, one word underscore pod. Follow us on Twitter for the latest updates about the show so that you know when we will be coming back in March. Thank you to our two guests on this first ever episode of Out of the Box, head coach Patrick Murphy at Alabama and Emily Petek, Alabama softball super fan and somebody just know who knows a heck of a lot about the sport. Excited we could have them. We will be back in early March. Once we've seen how things play out, we might do a show from Hawaii if that's physically possible. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see. see. I don't know. We might be a little busy. There might be stuff happening. I mean, I, you know, if we can do one from the beach, I wouldn't be mad. Soaking but, in a little bit of sun. Yeah, because what's that like at this trying, point in trying, the year? Trying to avoid a shark. <laughs> but that's it for us here at Out of the Box. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to everybody who helped make this possible. Thank you to my partner, Tom. I'm Gray Robertson. We will see you on this podcast in a couple of months and the softball season just a couple weeks away. We're excited. We'll see you next time here on Out of the Box. Out of the Box.